After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. <laughs> he is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. Welcome back to 88.3 WTs. After further review, and David the Man of God Harris back here on the mic. Has been here in three weeks. Make sure you always check out after further review. Saturday's 11 to 1 after one of the best shows here on 88.3 WXUT with Tim and Vicky's Theme Park. We always come on after them as we're now getting cozy in the new studios. And now David's going to talk a little bit about college basketball as it's snowy, it's November. You know what time it is, college basketball season. Yeah, kind of the biggest story that started in the off season. we kind of have been hinting at it, joking about it over the past couple of years, but it's really come to the forefront this off season with the investigation, the trial that's taking place, and it's around kind of college basketball and pay for play. And we've talked about it on the show, you know, do we just pay the players? Some people, you know, span the gamut from, you know, they're going to school, isn't that payment enough? Versus, yeah, you know, payers should be play, you know, players should be paid X amount of money per semester to offset because the athlete you don't have, you're not able to get a job, you know, the best, you know, sport is your job, and so kind of thinking about the stories that we've heard from D1 athletes, kind of about their college life and college experience. And so as I'm thinking about this and thinking about it through this past week and looking more so at the Champions Classic, those two games, we just have to be honest with ourselves and say we either like what do we want from our college basketball programs? What do you want from our college basketball season? I think so often we are focused on we want the superstar teams, we want the blue balls, we want the brand to continue to be dominant and kind of walk through college basketball. We want the Dukes to be good, the Carolinas, the Kentuckys, the Kansas, in recent years, the Villanova, now that they've made a run. Like we want the traditional schools to continue to be those powerhouses, and that means getting the majority of the top 100 recruits. But at the same time, we want parity. We want we want to see the Michigans win a national championship or the Villanova. We want to see a Butler make it to the national championship game. Even if it is kind of when we get to March, it's like the beauty of March madness, you know, one shining moment. But then we, at the same time, we're like, oh, we want Butler there, but it'd be nice to have Duke and Kansas play in national championship. Wouldn't it? You know, it's two traditional powerhouses. Like, like thinking last year with Loyola Chicago. People love the story of Loyola making it to the Final Four, but no one wanted them to actually win it because that would have been like, oh my gosh, you know, catastrophic, monumental moment. And so I think if we establish and just say, hey, if we're going to pay the players, 
we already know that you guys are paying these players to come to the school anyway. You know that, and it's been documented, reported in a trial, take a hundred grand for a player, like for a starting caliber player to go to Creighton. It's a hundred K to go to Creighton. We can only imagine if three Duke out. Like if we're just being honest. Like when the say they're paying the players, but we know. Similar with we know the kinds of Kansas got paid. Like we know this. You don't have to play ourselves. You don't have to lie to everybody. Like we know this is how college basketball works. We know this is how it works. And so I think if we just establish okay, pay the players, then we can have the superstar team. But then while everything out everything is out in the open, it can basically be like, okay, we know which teams are going to get which players. We know the blue bloods are going to be the blue blood. So at least try to establish some parity. Like, like I know in college athletics, particularly in basketball, it seems like there's this top team and then a little bit of parity from like two to 15 or 20. After that, it, well, if you have one magical rod. And I think if we're just honest with ourselves, if we have the parity, then we'll be more and more likely to not have these superstar teams. But because a lot of these one of the players are more concerned about their brand, and rightfully so, because they want to get to the league as quickly as possible, they're going to go to the blue blood. Like, that's never going to change. Like, we're not going to see an R.J. Barrett or Zion Williamson go to a Loyola Chicago. Because that's not good for their marketing. That's not good for... Well, wait a minute, David, David, David. You really think that they're going to go to Loyola, Chicago? I'm starting to think Loyola, Chicago used to be in the Horizon League. They're in a different league now. I can't think what league they're in now. But they used to be in the Horizon. But do you really think that Loyola, Chicago is going to get a team like players like Zion Williamson and, and, and R.J. Barrett when you got Hall of Famers like Mike Krzyzewski and Bill Self? And Calipari coming to your house in your home. I mean, you, 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 it, it's not even a, a it's a marketing thing. It's just that just doesn't make any sense. It's just not it doesn't even have to deal with the NCAA. I mean, Loyola's coach Poser, or I forget, I think it is Poser. You know, he before making that run, he was kind of a five hundred type of coach. Remember a couple of years ago, before not last year, but the year before, they came to Toledo actually with, with that uh, Loyola Chicago team. So. um yeah, those guys aren't going to – those are the obvious guys. The, the, the big time, time guys are going to go to the obvious blue bloods. That's not what you have to worry about. I think the problem with, with really with the NCAA is this. And it's it's really the NBA rule that's really screwing them up is the one and the done. Because think about it. You got the three top freshmen at Duke. Just imagine if they combine with Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. Let's say they. This was maybe twenty years ago, where guys did stay in school. I mean, now the blue bloods start to become the powerhouses, where then the Loyola Chicago's don't even get to the Final Four anymore because you're just stacking the teams for for um, for NC for the blue bloods basically against the little guys. What it basically comes down to is that you you basically renting a player. You're renting a player for a year. They leave. You got continual influx of players and and what really happens is this is that at tournament time that experience really kills the freshman i don't care how talented you are as a freshman it's your first year coming into actually 
playing some very competitive basketball and you're going up against some of these smaller schools that have maybe 21, 22-year-old guys. Now, they're not the big-time, big-name players, but some of these guys are developing into kind of like pros toward the end of their career. And here you are, another 18-year-old freshman. You still have that transition period that you have to go through before really becoming an elite, elite basketball player. And that's what's really screwing things up is that, for one, you know, some years – you know, look at Duke. Duke's got these t- good good freshmen. Obviously, they're going to leave. Um, they could end up like a Kentucky where you might get a bump in the road where, you know, you're getting all these top elite recruits coming in, coming in, coming in, and you miss out on other guys that might stay maybe two to three years to help your program in the long haul, and then you end up getting a gap, which I think Kentucky's not a very good team. Uh, now, some people are saying they're going to win the SEC with the way that, that, that they looked. Uh, against Duke, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if they really have struggles this season. But you, you never know. But anyway, the fact of the matter is, is that that's what's really hurting college basketball. They either need to get rid of the rule of one and done, or have a. And I've mentioned this rule, and no one ever mentions this. The kid can say either you go pro, or if you go to college, you got to spend at least two years, or you can get drafted and go to college basketball, but that team keeps your rights. It could be just like baseball. I mean, baseball does the same thing. But if you really want to clean this up and stop thinking that it's all about the market and everything like that, because what happens is here is that some of these teams like Loyola Chicago, they do once in a while you get a kid that's a sleeper. Probably could have played at the big-time level, but nowadays it's all about playing time, and kids realize, you know, sometimes to get to the pros, you don't have to go to the, the blue blue bloods. You can go somewhere else. I mean, now with YouTube and all types of social media. So people have figured that out as well. So people just want to get out there and be seen and play. So you also got the transfer stuff that goes on as well, too, where I think with the blue bloods, their roster is such an influx and changing all the time you know, chemistry counts. And I think that's what's really hurting college basketball. I think the one-and-done rule and the abundance of transfers to add to that is why a lot of times you do see a Loyola Chicago make a little nice run to the dance. Or think even Michigan. I mean, let's face it, you know, Beeline, great coach, but he he's not really recruiting top five, uh, five-star recruits all top the time. Top ten players. Think about yeah. it. Then they've gotten to the national championship Last year, and then look at Villanova. Even you know Jay Wright. You know, I'd rather get me a three-star recruit who probably could be the man at Evansville or Toledo, or you know, I can try to go out and get this other kid that I know is probably not going to stay. And you know, you're renting the player, and then by the second, and then think about it, you're getting these top recruits, and let's face it, by the second semester, they ain't thinking about school. And they're probably not really thinking about the team. They're probably sitting there thinking, okay, I need to put on a good resume here. Don't get hurt. And I'm going on to the next level. And I think it's getting to the point now where coaches are realizing it's like, well, I want a player that wants to play for the program, that wants to be here, that wants to be in school and not just use me as a path to get to the NBA. Well, and I think kind of thinking about that, I think the big fit in the big bond is they're thinking about their brand and looking at kind of the marquee school. Like you said, Villanova has been to the final four a couple of years. Virginia is top, you know, top ranked team. Like if you're good, they will find you. 
they will make sure that your brand gets, you will get on television, you will get ESPN, you will be in the highlighter. It's like, I think so many of these players look at kind of the brands of the school and kind of regardless of, you know, Duke hasn't, you know, Duke keeps getting knocked out in the first round. Michigan State hasn't been to Sweet 15 forever. Like, North Carolina up and down. Like, they look for the brands of the schools rather than, hey, if you go to a school that's successful and helps maintain that success, that helps your, that still helps your brand too. You go to a Villanova and knowing that Jay Wright's going to get you at least to March. Like, Villanova is going to be a consistently ranked team. Like, Villanova on national TV, Villanova is bringing scouts. Like, they may not be the hotbed of Duke or Carolina in terms of, hey, we have had all these pros, but winning helps your And I think, yes, Duke is going to win, but like you said, in March, are they going to win? All this freshman kind of transition doing the one and done at Duke, is that done to help the Duke program in March? Like, they have Jason Tatum. How far does they get? And it's like, even with Kentucky, like, they had that run, like you said, where they had the Boogie Cousins, Anthony Davis, John Wall. Like oh, well, they made they made a they got an NCAA title with Anthony Davis, not with Cousins or Wall, but they got it with Anthony Davis there. But I mean, then all the other teams in that final look at Ohio State. <clears throat> they had you know Sullinger was, was obviously a big plus, but then they surrounded him with Kraft and Buford and Diebler to get to the Final Four. I mean, you you got to have a good mix. I think you need to get a couple blue chippers and then guys that want to play their role and want to play for the university. And that's, I think the formula that some teams need if they want to be successful at college basketball. Uh, I I think some people will learn from the Kentucky situation where if you're trying to get the top five recruits in every class every year, you're not going to please everybody. And I I think honestly it deters other kids because let's face it, kids are looking to play. And a couple kids that are a year behind these other kids look and say, okay, he recruited that guy. It could be a possibility he might stay. I might not play, be able to play, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And that hurts. And there's some college coaches like like Jay Wright. I, he, I, if, if he's going to be an absolute program changer for one year or he fits in our system to where we can compete for a national championship, they're going to recruit him other than that. Like I said, they're not going for the rental players anymore, and 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 I think it's smart. I mean, it's for longevity. Think about it. You know, coaches get hired to get fired almost, and you're not going to sit there and keep recruiting some of these kids that aren't going to really care. Not to mention, you got to worry about the APR, and you got to worry about stuff that's off the floor as well. So I really think it is kind of changing. I mean, I you know, Coach Sasevsky went in there and recruited these three fine you know recruits. And I think it's going to be fun watching Duke basketball. But unfortunately for Duke fans, you better enjoy it for one year because obviously all three of them dudes ain't staying, especially if they're getting buckets and, and, and fame and stuff like that. They ain't, they ain't staying long. So you might as well like That's the only thing I don't like about it is that they're a really fun team to watch. I watched them. But you already know past the 2018-19 season, you ain't going to see nothing like this again. Yeah, and I think kind of the one thing is I – while creating these superstars and fireflies and everyone's thinking about their brand, it has allowed 
kind of some of these schools like a Virginia, like a Villanova, like a Michigan, to bring up some of that parity. Like, okay, we know that come March we have these experienced veteran-laden teams. And, you know, John Kyle Party mentioned experience kind of after getting beat down by Duke. And it's like, experience is going to help you later on down the season. Like, yes, it's good, you know, fun. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing, you know, middle no, you know, early November. But let's see, like, come ACC time, when it's Tobacco Road, like, how are they going to do? When it's, when they have to go to Virginia, what, you know, Virginia plays this lockdown defense that sometimes only gives up you know, 20 points and a half. Like, is it going to be that same kind of fun? I think kind of, and like you said, people like seeing all the dunks and the three-pointers and all the highlight stuff, but how often does that win? Well, I think, it wins a lot sometimes because I know Zion Williams is going to be getting a lot of highlights and dunks, and so is R.J. Barrett. Just getting those two alone pretty much changes your program. I mean, let's face it, how many guys do you know? He's a a man-child. I mean, he's literally 18 years old and has a grown man's body. I think he's just as big or bigger than LeBron James and has that athleticism, which is scary. Now, I will tell you this. If I was NBA scouts, you better enjoy the youthful years of Zion Williamson because we all know that when you're that big, as the metabolism slows down later on in the career, or maybe even in his mid to late 20s, can he keep the weight off? Because if he starts putting on more weight, you're going to lose a lot of that athleticism. So that That's one only concern or negative I have with Zion Williamson is if I was an NBA scout, you probably have a little bit of a window with him because of the weight. And, it's gonna, and he looks like the type of person that's going to have those type of genes where you're going to have to worry about the weight. He can almost be like an Anthony Mason. Um, God rest his soul. But... Very talented, big dude, uh, lefty. Now, obviously, the, uh, Williams has a little bit more talent and athleticism than Anthony Mason. But when Anthony Mason started putting on that weight, it, it, it kind of hindered his career. And, and actually, in the beginning of his career in the NBA, the weight hurt him from getting into the league. But once he got his weight under control, he was pretty per, uh, formative uh NBA three and four man sometimes could run the point a little bit, which was rare back in those days. But RJ Barrett to me is probably the, the can't miss pick if you're trying to build a franchise and probably have him as your top three pick in the draft, though. Yeah, I, I would say RJ Barrett more kind of similar to Jason Tatum, where he's like he can play. He's multi-positional enough to where you can see RJ Barrett playing at a two, he can play at the three, he can play at the four. If you go, and I don't want to say if he goes to a depth that he can play at the five, because he would need to fall up just a little bit. But I mean, again, 18-year-old freshman in college. But yeah, and like, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I'm, you know, I only saw one, like everyone shows only one jump shot from Zion Wilson. Like that's what I'm concerned like, I Like, it's similar with high school. Yes, you can do the highlight dunk, but in that one block where he ran, you know, ran great. Like, consistency. I want to see that consistently. And so I think we would get more of that kind of consistency in the NBA in terms of being able to be like a, I don't want to say more of a NBA kind of fit, but just kind of the way RJ Barrett plays, like, yeah, he's going to be 
he's not going to be the other two Canadians that we've seen in recent years. Like, by far. And I think that's good for both R.J. Barrett. I think that's good for Duke. And I think that's ultimately good for kind of just college basketball in general. That even with all the superstars, it's those, like those two in particular, Zion and RJ, like they're going to go back and forth about who's going to be the number one. So they're going to try to push themselves to be better or push each other to be better and do better and work out better so that they can be that number one overall pick regardless of who ends up one, two. But yeah, they'll be, like you said, it's going to be interesting in Duke come March. Hopefully they get out of the second round. Well, no, I think they will. I, I think that unless injuries happen, they should be in the Final Four at least. Um, but I think that that I wish, like I said, the rule needs to change. I think that you know either you you go in the draft or you stay for two years, or you can go in the draft, get drafted, and the team keeps your rights. I just think that's the best for the NBA and for college basketball because there is a learning curve. I think there's only a few kids that are special enough to go from being 18 years old to the NBA and actually making an impact. And even then all rookies, even 18 year olds, but you know, besides LeBron James go through that learning curve of the NBA. And there's other factors to it. I believe with that are outside of just basketball itself, you know, the maturity of the kid, where, what kind of home life they're coming from, what kind of financial background, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, look at Tracy McGrady and Kobe Bryant. It kind of took them a year or two before they actually acclimated to the game, the NBA game. It's a tough pill to swallow. And I really think that you don't know how a kid is going to react. Like I said, you got to do a lot on their background. I want to see what this Darius Baisley situation ends up being. Like I said, it's more than just I think when it starts to become a profession, basketball there's more to it than just what's on the court it's also stuff that's off the court and where's your mental makeup as well um and like i said i wish the kids the best of luck a lot of times um but i really think with with the rule it needs to be changed because i think it helped college basketball it helped the nba basketball i think it would give, give the kid a better perspective i think it gives kids options um i personally think that kids should go to school but if if they're not going to be down for it and you're forcing them to do it, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of time for them. It's a waste of time for the, the, the teammates that they have. It's a waste of time of the coach. It's a waste of time of the university. I mean, think about it. It's taking a spot away from a kid that could be in that classroom trying to learn at the higher educational level. So um, that, that's just my little two cents on it. Yeah, and I, you're right. A lot of these players lump all of them together, but most of them are more concerned about the brand than they are the book. Yep. As you talk about, you know, they got to be competent for one semester. Right. Like, yep. Just And we know, and we talk with the school, they'll find a way to make sure to play ball Right. So, David, uh, we've got to run out of time here. Uh, what you got going on for the weekend? It's football, college football, college basketball, starting up. Hopefully the Rocket men's basketball team starts out on the right foot. And yeah, another good week of sports. <laughs> As for the midst of a good fall sports run. Right. And uh, David, it's not snowing down there in Columbus, but I know it's probably cold down there. So uh, make sure you stay warm, man. 
All right, I got the shorts on now. <laughs> okay. He also <laughs> came back from Toronto, had a good time down there. and uh, Don't stay away so long, David. All right, we'll do. All right, man. David, take it easy. You too. Yep, that was David, the man of God Harris. He had to get in his segments in. Been away for three months. Like I said, he had to, or three weeks, excuse me, he had to blow the dust off his mic or his cell phone, basically, as he's calling in here as we have a recorded show. Anyway, you can always listen to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. We're always on the air here at WHUT 88.3 on, at 11 a.m. for David and Frank Vashner. I'm Derek Lawson. Another good weekend in the books. Make sure you guys enjoy sports peace we're out 88.3 wxut's after further review